All right. Well, our guest speaker this morning is truly a longtime friend of Grace Community Church. Aaron Osborne is the co-founder and director of Grace Partnership, which is the association of churches that we have the privilege to be a member of. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Philippian church in Philippians chapter 1, verse 3, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. What we see in those verses is Paul and the churches he served were joined together in a partnership in the gospel that provided Paul great joy and fueled his prayers. It really is our joy to be a part and partnership with Grace Partnership. And, and Grace Partnership is comprised of gospel-centered churches from literally all around the world. And Aaron's going to be sharing more about that. But from the Ukraine to Columbia, South America, and even up to Minneota, Minnesota. That far does it extend. That's a joke, by the way. If you know, Minneota, Minnesota is such a small town so, and so tucked away. But we are so thankful to be a part of these wonderful churches and building relationally and working together to do the mission that God has called us to do. Because as Grace Partnership's banner reads, we are stronger together. Amen? God has called us to local churches, but not to lonely churches. We want to build together the gospel. And so we have the privilege to do that. And I can't think of a better person to represent Grace Partnership than Aaron Osborne. Uh, Aaron is a longtime friend of Grace Community Church. He started coming up to Corning to minister and to bring encouragement 18, almost 18 years ago when we first planted the church. So he's been coming up for almost two decades. And then on a personal level, Aaron is a dear friend of Janice and I. Uh, we've known each other for over two decades. We can be real with each other. We can share the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I'm so thankful for that. That is a gift from God. You know, we've been in a series called Messy Grace. God gives grace. But sometimes that grace is also in the midst of a lot of mess. Amen? A lot of mess in our lives. And uh, when we have to hide that and keep that from one another, we're not being real. So we are all about grace. It sometimes looks a little messy. And we can be real and honest about that. And I thank God for that. So I want to thank Aaron for making the trip up here to Corning. I'm not even going to mention that he waited till the warmer weather to come up from Florida to be here, but we are so thankful, Aaron, you're with us. So come on up and share God's word, brother. Let's give him a warm Corning th welcome. Excellent, excellent. Well, good morning. Good morning to you all. Uh, I'm not sure I did wait for the warmer weather. I mean, it's... <laughs> It's 30 degrees cooler here right now uh, than Orlando. Uh, I'm not from Florida. No one I've ever met in Florida is from Florida, uh, save a handful of people. But it, it's really true. I, I just want to forewarn you. Uh, your blood changes. It, I, I mean, I, I was born not that far from here, Jersey Shore, Pennsylvania, uh, a few years ago. And so that was life uh, Pennsylvania was life up until about 11 years ago uh, but it only took about 10 months uh, for your blood uh, to get completely destroyed by the warm weather and everything else feels cold uh, after that but it is great 
to be with you this morning. And uh, really, Alan, thank you for that welcome. I, I, I feel like in the best of ways, um, he just summarized a sermon. So if you feel like you need to cut out early or cut offline, all right, you, you more or less got it uh, a moment ago from Alan. But we did recently have a transition uh, at Metro Life Church in Orlando, Florida, one of the partnership churches uh, on March 28th. That was my final Sunday as a lead pastor. So after 22 years of being in that role in two different churches, uh, the partnership by the grace of God has grown uh, to the point uh, where we needed to make a prayer-filled decision on what to do, uh, whether we wanted it to kind of just remain in a, in a sort of quasi-informal state or if we needed to give more time, devotion, and attention to it uh, through, through somebody giving themselves full time to it. So that's me uh, now. It's all still a little strange, uh, not having sermon series to prepare at home and things like that, but the church is in great hands with a dear friend, Chris Jesse, uh, who's been in Metro Life Church since he's 12 years old. Uh, the founding pastor, Danny Jones, Metro Life is a 36-year-old church now. The founding pastor is still right there as well. And elders. So that, that's a very rare thing uh, in, in the case of American evangelicalism anyway, to have the founding pastor, the, the second lead pastor, and now Chris. We're all still fellowshipping. We still like each other. Uh, we're still all there uh, together. So, so Metro Life Church is still home, but I, I no longer have elder responsibilities uh, there so that I can, I can be more devoted to, to times like this. And so if you would open in your Bibles to Ephesians 6, uh, it, it's a passage that is likely very familiar to most, if not all of you. But I, I pray by the Spirit we can, we can really personalize it uh, today. And I want to say from the outset uh, that while on one hand, yes, I am, I am seeking to cheerlead for Grace Partnership and your part in it. At the same time, it's not a sales pitch to you. I hope what it is is a picture, a depiction of what we see happening in the New Testament in the first century church as still the reality God desires for the 21st century church. Indeed, until Jesus Returns For all that's changed, God's plan and pattern really hasn't. Uh, and I love how Alan said it. Uh, local churches matter. You are a local church governed locally, but you're not an alone church. Uh, not only not in Corning and New York and the United States, but around the world. So think about that. Um, through our partnership, we have, in, in the most real of ways, brothers and sisters even though we've not all met each other in other parts of the world. Just like the early church had not met all the people's names they'd hear about from other cities, they knew they were vitally connected. So I pray that that can come through. But would you pray with me before we go to Ephesians 6 this morning? Heavenly Father, thank you for this day and the privilege to be here at Grace Community Church, Corning, New York. Lord, that's a dear name to me as... Lord, in 1999, the church we planted was also named Grace Community Church with the same desire to do life together, to do the messes together by your grace. Lord, this morning, I pray you would awaken our hearts, illuminate our eyes, and give us um, not new knowledge so much, but, but a refreshment in what we already know about the difference it makes when we're in partnership together and how you display that through 
your word. And so, Holy Spirit, would you come speak to us here, speak to those at home online, uh, and we pray your blessing in both places today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, I'm sure you've been in these kind of settings. You know, a meeting, informal, perhaps, and I think most personally for all of you here, perhaps a meeting with, with Luke and Lauren Smallcone, you know, when they get back, and I understand they've, what, about three or four weeks ago returned to Thailand, uh, but, but when they're back, you know, when they're back, and maybe it's been a period of time, and even though we do have online and, and there are ways to stay connected it, that, that the early church could not have imagined, it's not the same as when they're here, right? When they're physically here and they take some time to bring you an update. They share with you what God's doing in Thailand. And, and though, how many of you have gone to Thailand with them? I think two of you, uh, without the glasses, I'm going to go with that. Two of you. Uh, and yet you're all connected to that. You're all participating in that because you're all part of Grace Community Church. And, and you are as involved as they are involved, as Luke and Lauren are involved, through your partnership with them, through your being a part of their family, through your support, through your prayer, through those things. So in a sense, it's like you've all gone to Thailand without ever having gone to Thailand because you've sent them. They represent not only the Lord Jesus Christ, they represent you, Grace Community Church Corning, over there. And, and so I love those kind of meetings, you know, whether, whether it's formal and it's Saturday night or it's the Sunday morning update in church or you've taken them out for coffee or pizza or whatever on Main Street uh, just to hear the stories. Well, that's exactly the picture we see here in Ephesians 6, 21 to 24 at the end of this amazing letter that, that was seeking to anchor the Ephesians and not only them, us, and all who've read it in the grace of God that we are justified freely by his grace that before we'd ever done right, wrong, in fact, before we were born, he had already set his affection on us, called us by name. He's anchored them in that in the first three chapters and now he's talking about life together in the last three chapters and he gets here to the end and this is how it reads, beginning in verse 21. And I hope you catch some relational words here. So that you also may know how I am and what I am doing, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I've sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. I hope you catch those relational words. We're gonna focus on those relational words as we go forward this morning. Now, I, I don't know how you think of every verse in scripture, but, but do some of them just seem different than others? Or in this case, like, well, this makes sense. He's at the end of the letter and, you know, Paul was a pretty good student, church history tells us. So he knew how to open a letter and close a letter. How many of you remember doing that in school? doing those letters where we had to do the salutation. That's a lost art, sadly, 
Uh, it's completely lost. But you remember how our teachers would in, ensure that we, we, we had the salutation, we had the body, we had the closing greeting. Well, that's true here, but that's not what he's doing. This is not Paul like, how am I supposed to end a letter? No, this is spirit-inspired words from God himself. God breathed out words, not just the right way to close a letter to a local Church. So more than a formal impersonal close to a letter, more than the correct structure to end a letter, it's the inspired word of God. And he's celebrating something. He's celebrating their relationship. He's celebrating their partnership. And he's doing so through a flood of affection here as he closes this letter. And this would have been very personal for Paul because he's writing the letter because he couldn't be with them. Now, now in the grander scheme of God, he's writing the letter because this would be part of the canon of scripture that we need. We need the letter to the Ephesians. They didn't only need it. We need it in our day. So, so it's not just that, that in the natural he couldn't be there. God intended this letter be preserved for us. And Paul spent three years, roughly, give or take. Paul spent three years every day with the Ephesian church. And now about 12 years has gone by between the time he was with them and this letter. So imagine that. How has Grace Community Church changed over 12 years? You know, there'd be new people. There are people who are hearing this letter read. They, they've never even met Paul. But there are those who have, like you just shared, Alan, 18 years of history. They, they were there for those three years when Paul was among them. So this would have been so very personal for them and and we know we know their bonds were very very tight if you read in Acts chapter 20 uh, when it's Paul's last morning literally his very last morning with the Ephesian elders he's about to set sail and he begins to kind of summarize everything he's taught them over three years in one last little mini sermon but they they were totally distracted why because he said I know when I board that ship I'm not going to see your faces again and then Acts 20 describes uh, the kind of hug that you may be familiar with, you know, when, when a family member who lives far away is getting ready to leave or something like that. It's that not let you go hug. That's what they were doing with Paul. They did not want to let him go because they knew the moment he got on that ship, they wouldn't see him again. And uh, have, you, have any of you ever done this? Maybe it's at an airport, a relative, a loved one is getting on the plane, and this is probably easier done from the Corning Elmira Airport than my airport, but where you can actually see the plane take off. Have you ever done that? Have you waited? Yeah, you're not even seeing them. I mean, they've already gone through security. You haven't, but there's that lookout window or something, and you know which plane is their plane. Again, easier done here than at Orlando International, but have you done that? You've, why? Why do we do that? Because we love them. Because they're a part of us. And, and even though we know, I was joking last night um, uh, with, with some of the kids at Allen and Janice's about, hey, you're going to be on vacation in Daytona Beach. You know, when my plane flies over it in a couple weeks' time, I'll just kind of wave if you just want to look up. You know, like we'll just say hi to you. Know. Now we know that that's not literally possible. And yet we look at that plane. And I have a feeling those of you who put your hand up, you look at that plane until your eye can no longer see it. Until it's just too far away, above the cloud line. 
whatever. Why? Because partnership matters, because relationship matters, because love matters, and you want that last glimpse. Uh, my stepfather, he's a very affectionate man. He doesn't only wait in the driveway when our car is pulling away. He walks down to the end of the driveway so that he can see the car as far as he can down the street before we go over the crest of the hill in Lancaster County. So I think a summary of what's going on here might be this. Living aware and participating in partnership is God's design. We feel those things because God's designed that. He's put that within us, even in a fallen world where there's so much messy grace and broken relationships and failed partnerships and on and on, there's still a heartbeat, a pulse for these things. So what can we learn about partnership as we look through the window of Ephesians 6? Well, first and foremost, as is always the case with Paul, the gospel itself is what makes the partnership or is the center of the partnership. So when Luke and Lauren, when they come and they share the stories, the stories are great, the stories are great, but the ultimate story you're looking to hear is how is the gospel going forward? Are there conversions? Are there people in relationship with them that they're getting opportunities to just display the love of Christ to? That's the ultimate that you want to hear. You know the funny stories, the funny foods and all that. They're great. It's all part of it. But the story you want is what story? The gospel story. And so that's what Paul means when he says, and I'm going to use the, the second descriptive word before the first one. He says, so that you may also know how I am and what I'm doing. Well, the what for Paul was always the gospel. That was his mission. That was the mission of the church in Ephesus. That's the mission of Grace Community Church Corning. That mission has not changed. That message has not changed. Oh, methods are all over the map. They change. But the message has not changed. The primary focus has not changed. So for Paul, gospel mission meant not only the proclamation, but it meant deeper maturation as well, which is why he was spending time with the churches, which is why if he couldn't come, he would do things like send Tychicus or send Epaphroditus, which is why we have visits and conferences and all manner of things. That was the mission. Now the word mission or missional, I, I think it's safe to say it's in vogue today. But because it means so many different things, at its core it simply means this. The demonstration and proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Alan read it a moment ago. I thank my God, this is from Philippians 1, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy. Why does he do that? He says why? Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. So, so when, he, when he says that, when he says that shorthand gospel, he's not only meaning the proclamation, but the living life together, the messy grace together, the maturation together, the ups and the downs together is what Paul's talking about. You know, just as people wither and perish in isolation, the same thing can happen to a local church. A local church that is exclusively on its own can wither. And so Paul, in his letter to the Philippians, is thanking God for them, for their partnership. That's, in fact, our, our theme verse for grace partnership. Philippians 1, or theme verses 3 
through five. Now, the church in Philippi had, she had her own elders, she had her own deacons, she had her own structure, but she also had vital connectivity and relationship beyond the borders of Philippi. They were a strong and established church, but they were not an isolated, independent church. The result of that was not, not a hierarchy, but a relational partnership of joy. And that's what you read over and over. When you read the New Testament epistles, you don't read hierarchy. You read relationship between Paul and the churches. And that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And here to the Ephesians, think about this. So that you may also know how I am and what I'm doing. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. You catch that? Not, not just the, the, the good things, not just the select things, not just the summary thing, but he's going to tell you everything. Who knows? Maybe some of the people in Ephesians were like, you don't need to do that. You know, shorter meeting, please. Just summarize. What are the highlights? You don't need, everything is not necessary. No, they were brothers and sisters. Not only, not only was it that they were going to tell everything, the Ephesians wanted to hear everything. Such was the relationship they had. Uh, Wayne Meeks uh, wrote a book, The First Urban Christians, and he said the following. He said, the local groups of Christians not only enjoyed a high level of cohesion and group identity, they were also made aware that they belonged to a larger movement. That's what Tychicus is going to do. He's going to tell them everything so that they understand how they are belonging to a gospel mission that's bigger than even what's going on in the city of Ephesus, as prominent a city as it was in its day. So what, what, what was happening in other places? The highs and the lows and everything in between? Paul understood, you know what, that's important. It's important that we share that together. He wanted them to not only be aware, but vitally connected to brothers and sisters in other cities, in other nations, in fact. Talk about, pray about, celebrate, proclaim, and desiring to see more of God's work in those places. So how did Paul himself actually do this? How did he partner with these local churches? Again, it bleeds out of these closing verses of Ephesians 6. It's obvious they were devoted to one another, that there was mutual affection. There was love, there was care, there was service. I don't, I don't think you take the time to tell others how you're doing unless you're persuaded they actually want to know how you're doing, right? That, that, that the care isn't a one way, but it's both. It's reciprocal. That's been my experience over 48 hours or so with Alan and Janice. Just sharing life together, very informal, but, but it isn't them sitting down and me teaching things. Or it isn't just them uh, only telling me things. It's reciprocal to varying degrees. We, we, we are more updated on what's going on in our households through our time together than we were before I got off the plane. Paul said it this way in Philemon. He said, I've derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you. See, it wasn't just, well, come on, Paul, you're the apostle, so you do all the care, you do all the pouring in, you do all the discipling, you do all the equipping, you do all the investing, and you've just got a really great thing going between you and the Holy Spirit. You don't need reciprocity. Yes, he did. 
Yes, he absolutely did. And he was so thankful for it. So what a great picture. We refresh one another as we invest in one another, both locally and globally. He partnered in love. And Paul relates to the Ephesians in grace and love to stimulate grace and love in them, first for the Lord, but also for one another. So just just think about that for a moment. It's easy to think of the relationships that have been broken. It's easy to get fixated on the people who've gone out of our lives for whatever reason. But consider for a moment the positive impact the refreshment and encouragement that's come to you through someone else. I hope you have a flood of those kind of memories. But not only a flood of memories, a a right now reality to not only be on the receiving end of that, but on the giving end of that as well. That's what Paul enjoyed with the Ephesians, all springing from the gospel. Now secondly, their partnership, while gospel-centric, was relational. While it was missional and strategic, it was absolutely relational. Again, look at the passage. So that you also may know how I am doing. I'm sure we've all been to a conference or somewhere where there's been the guest speaker or the keynote speaker or the plenary speaker. Have you noticed the absence of something most of the time in those contexts? There is no how I'm doing. It's not even expected. In fact, it might be a little awkward. Like, why is that guest telling us things about his life, his family? And did he just put a photo of his children? Like, what is going on? You know, it, it, may, be, it may seem odd to us. Well, for Paul, it would be the opposite. It would be foreign not to do that. He, he wasn't a plenary speaker. He wasn't coming in and out of cities to conference. He was coming in and out to love, to build relationally. Tychicus, the beloved brother, he's going to tell you everything. I've sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are. Tychicus will supplement his message with personal news on Paul because Paul knows the Ephesians will want to know how he's doing. He was a beloved brother. Three times he reiterates his intention for Tychicus to take the time to share with the church how Paul's doing, what's happening in their lives. Now I'm learning more and more over my years that that kind of relating is sadly not the hallmark of denominationalism or even doctrinal unity alone. That's the hallmark of relationship. Networks are a good idea. It's a popular word to describe church associations, networks. But I get a little concerned about that word because so often, over and over, I hear the same story. What's missing in the networking is relating. So ideas for mission are shared, strategies for church growth are shared, very little of how are you doing is being shared. And over time, that becomes noticed. Conferences, yes, but coffee too, like yesterday in Montour Falls. No agenda, no checking off the boxes, just unplanned 
unhurried yet intentional time together. I think Tychicus is one of the unsung heroes of the New Testament church. He was a co-laborer with Paul. He was a dear brother. He was a faithful servant. Tychicus was going to Ephesus because Paul couldn't because Paul was in prison. But sending Tychicus was essentially like Paul coming himself. They were that related. Tychicus had the privilege to deliver both the Ephesian and Colossian letters. He likely would have got up and read those letters that we now preach from. He would have read those letters to the churches. He accompanied Onesimus, the converted runaway slave in the book of Philemon, back to Colossae. So he likely carried the letter to Philemon as well. So Tychicus was one of Paul's right hands. He had a few right hands. He had Timothy. He had Tychicus. He had Epaphroditus. But when Tychicus got there, it, it, it was not formality. It was relational. Paul described his other right hand, Timothy, who I just mentioned this way in Philippians 2. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you. Do you catch that? It's not, I hope to send Timothy soon to you so you can on a conference. No, it's so that we can relate, so that we can know how we're doing. Remember, there's no TikTok, Snapchat, Facebook, Instagram. There's none of that. <laughs> Unless somebody comes and then returns, there's no knowing. And they, the, 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 I mean, if, if you thought five minutes to get a reply on a text was a long time, they'd have waited months <laughs> to find out how they were doing. But this is how he described Timothy. He said, for I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. We long for that in Grace Partnership. Genuinely con concerned of the welfare of one another. But I love how he goes on. So he says, do you catch this? I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon. Meaning he can't actually send Timothy just yet. We're not told why. So this is how Philippians 2 goes on. So he says, I have thought it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier and your messenger and minister to my need for he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard he was ill. That's not conference talk. That's not... Go drum up some money through some conference registration, Epaphroditus. Get over there and do a con No. He's, he's, Epaphroditus was apparently sick and is now well. But again, the social media update hadn't blasted out. So he wants to go himself to Philippi. And Timothy can't go yet. So he's like, I'll go. What a beautiful picture. Beautiful picture. Gene Green commenting on the letter to the Thessalonians, but it really is capturing the same idea that, that just flows through these New Testament letters. He said, the extensiveness of the Thessalonians' concerns for believers elsewhere is impressive. This generosity was evidence of the emerging solidarity between congregations in distinct localities. What's he talking about? Well, the same thing that was happening in Ephesus, Colossae, Philippi was happening in Thessalonica too. A representative, a friend would come and share the update and that would affect their hearts. And they wanted to be involved. They wanted to do something. In the case of the Thessalonians, they wanted to do something for the suffering saints in Jerusalem because of the famine. In fact, that was so powerful to Paul that he used that to spur on the Corinthians. 
In 2 Corinthians 8, he says, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that's been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. Begging us earnestly. What is that even about? Well, the Thessalonians had heard about the famine in Jerusalem. But Paul's heart and the heart of those who were relating with Thessalonica was this. My goodness, we're not going to ask them if they want to prayerfully consider participating in the relief of the saints in Jerusalem because they're suffering themselves. They're already in poverty. We're not going to ask them. And when the Thessalonians hear that they're not going to get asked, they're a little upset. So they beg for the favor. Hey, we may be poor. We may be down, but we're not out. We want to help our brothers. And they probably never met them. But they knew they were in solidarity together. Why is that? Because their partnership, and we pray our partnership, is about people, not programs, not structures. Oh, we'll have conferences and do those things. But that's not the aim. The aim is people. How our brothers and sisters are doing is as important, if not equally, if not sometimes more important than they are. Are doing. I am sure when Luke and Lauren are here, yes, you want to know what they're doing. And maybe some of your close friends with them, hey, 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 I want to know that my support of you is going to good use. What are you doing? That could be a fun conversation. But you know what you really want to know? How are you doing? How are you doing? How are the believers in Thailand doing? You want to hear those stories because they matter. So, so if I can, I know you've never met Alan and Janice have. Perhaps a few of you have met a few of these folks. But for the most part, I know you've not met them. But I, I want you to have a vital, alive sense. You have, of course, every believer is our brother and sister. We understand that. But in a particular way, in a more specific way, through partnership, because we're all finite and we can't do everything everywhere for everyone, our partnership brings some definition. You have brothers and sisters in Ukraine, they've already gathered and gone home. It's dinner time over there. In Colombia, it's the same hour it is here. In Bolivia, it's an hour ahead, and they worship long, so they're most definitely still in church. And in Florida, it's the same. In the Netherlands, it's the afternoon. In Minnesota, they'll be getting started in a few minutes. They're on central time. But I want to tell you just a few of the stories, the how they're doing. Hosanna Church in Rivne, Ukraine is coming up on their 30th anniversary. Right after the wall fell and the Cold War came to a close, the gospel began to get proclaimed and a church was born in the city of Rivne, Ukraine. Time doesn't permit to tell the whole story of how Hosanna Church and Grace Partnership have come together. But they're celebrating 30 years. God willing, I'll be with them in three weeks time, four weeks time in terms of the Sunday to participate in and celebrate with them in their 30th anniversary. They're, they're 
actually building a building, and I'll tell you more about that in a little bit. In Colombia, we have, you have, through your partnership in Grace Community Church and by extension your partnership in Grace Partnership, we have nine churches in Colombia that we're partnered with. So this morning in the cities of Medellin, in Bogota, in Rio Hacha, in Barranquilla, in Soledad, we have brothers and sisters. And they're worshiping. In June, Lord willing, four of us will travel to formalize that partnership. And in the case of one church, to celebrate their 10th anniversary in a very poor place, Soledad. It's a beautiful thing. In Bolivia, you have not only a church worshiping this morning, you have 85 children who an hour or so ago finished their breakfast at Casa de Esperanza, the orphanage that Grace Partnership has adopted as, as that one orphanage will do all we can to help build and serve and love. It's a beautiful work. Later this afternoon, in some cafe in La Paz, Bolivia, a lady will meet with a young lady who has gotten connected through a ministry called Un Lugar Seguro, a secure place. Bolivia has the highest in South America. Bolivia has the highest concentration of alcohol abuse, pornographic use, and violence toward women. Now you put COVID on top of all that and there are some women who have really suffered this year. We partner with Un Lugar Seguro. You partner with Un Lugar Seguro. We'll never meet those ladies. We won't personally. But we're supporting the ladies who are meeting with those ladies to bring hope, to bring help. And where possible, to get them out of very dangerous situations. There's ups and downs though. In Florida this morning, a dear brother Alex Bowman at Trinity Community Church, a part of Grace Partnership and therefore your brothers and sisters. On Wednesday evening, Alex got the call that his 55-year-old brother had died of COVID with seemingly no other conditions, uh, co comorbidities. He got sick about 10 days ago and for the first three days, it seemed like the normal case of COVID, but it, but it took a turn. And so this is their first Sunday at Trinity Community Church since the passing of their brother. It's, it's, it's going to be a somber Sunday at Trinity Community Church of Titusville, Florida. Pray for Alex and his family. And in the Netherlands, at New Life Assembly, a Grace Partnership Church, which has a wonderful story of how we got related. There is a dear brother, Amir. Amir fled Iran about 12 years ago. And he got converted in the Netherlands. His wife, it took years, but eventually got out of Iran as well made her way to the Netherlands 
and the church there, New Life Assembly, opened their doors to what would become 45 Iranian refugees. Outside of Amir, the next two people to come into New Life Assembly from Iran were two guys whose intention was to steal. They were in a refugee housing situation in the city and they heard that church people are trusting people. And so they went to a Sunday night meeting and their intention while the church people were distracted were to go into purses and just do what they could. But the Holy Spirit met them there that night and they got converted and didn't steal one euro but became believers in Jesus Christ. And there are so many amazing stories of what has taken place in that church. Sadly, several native Dutch men and women left the church because they just weren't sure. They were afraid. They were afraid these were fake conversions. They were afraid of a number of things. But in any case, Amir became the discipler as the one who knew Dutch, English, and Farsi he was discipling these young men. He's become a father to many of them. Amir's in a coma and the doctors have said they, they, don't, they don't see anything more they can do. He has COVID. The death of any saint is sad and precious in the sight of the Lord. But I think you all know people where for whatever reason in the grace of God, the role they were playing was such that when that ended, it, it, it was like a pillar fell out of the church. That's what's happening in New Life Assembly. More importantly than a pillar in the church, this is a father and a husband. So if you think of Amir and his family, the doctors have said, barring they didn't use the word miracle, we'll use it, they think two weeks maximum before his organs just close down. If you think of Amir. Time doesn't permit to tell you more, but there are so many wonderful stories. There are so many hard stories because that's real life, isn't it? And a partnership isn't immune from that. It's not only to come and tell you all the celebratory stories without, without mentioning that, you know what? In the midst of some wonderful stories, there's some heartache going on right now. But I want to turn the corner and this is where I want to come back to what I shared at the beginning. I'm not here to make a sales pitch to you but I am here to envision you. I am here to share things with you that if the Holy Spirit turns into opportunities for you, so be it. That's beautiful if it happens. But among the beautiful things that have been happening in these early days of Grace Partnership have been the un- initiated, no-ask ways various churches, various people have responded to different things they've heard. Just a few examples. A friend, a young man in Gainesville, Florida, really believed God was calling him to seminary. So he's been saving his money for seminary. In the midst of doing that, he started a company that he thought would be temporary and that he would sell and eventually go to seminary. But the company's exploded. It's doing phenomenally well. And in the midst of that, over these last several years, he and his wife and 
the council around them have really prayed and they, they've really come to the conclusion that, you know what? I think God has called me to ministry, but in the marketplace. Because he's having a reach and an influence in the city of Gainesville and in fact the state of Florida in his company that he'd never have or not likely have if all his time was in one local church. And so they had this money they saved. Instead of doing a house renovation or this or that, they contacted us. Is there someone somewhere in need of seminary education but doesn't have the means to do it? But uh, I'll, I'll ask around. Well, that would be Marco Chokey, who works at Casa de Esperanza in their training center. And he's responsible for many young adults and rural pastors coming and going throughout the year, training and equipping them, as is the case in many countries, Latin America and other places. People will truly become converted to Jesus Christ while simultaneously holding on to false religions. And Mario, in his case, or Marco, excuse me, in his case, is seeking to help and encourage and untangle all of that from the grace of God. And he's long to get trained but has no resource. He begins classes online through a seminary out of the Dominican Republic with Pastor Miguel Nunez, Dr. Miguel Nunez, a name you may know, Alan. He'll begin his classes tomorrow, tomorrow morning, at 9.30 a.m. online because a family, a couple, wants to do it. And I think that's a beautiful thing. We had a few now missions trips to Casa de Esperanza. I hope you'll be on a future one. But uh, after a trip, family got back and a man got up and just began to share with the church a few things and he just made a passing, a fleeting reference to, you know, these Kids, and when these different ones come and go, they're sleeping on 35-year-old mattresses. I don't know how old your mattress is, but mine is not 35 years old. Well, after the service, a couple comes up to that gentleman, tell us more about the mattresses. You didn't have more to tell them about the mattresses. They said, we'll find out about the mattresses. And what that couple wanted to know is, well, what, what would it cost? What would it cost to replace those mattresses? And we found out a cost, and it was given. And four months later, I was there to see it when the truck arrived. Brand new mattresses for the whole dormitory structure there in the training center. They also now have a water purification system and a hot water heater. Back in uh, November, after returning from Colombia and meeting with numerous pastors, I was sharing and I just made the passing remark, you know, we're hoping to somehow have a retreat for about 12 of those pastors that it really seemed like the Lord was doing something with. We've got to figure those logistics out, but we hope to do that in the future. That's all I said. While at lunch with the pastor after church, a couple who was watching online, Holy Spirit's talking to you online, <laughs> they texted the pastor, What's involved to have that retreat with those pastors? Well, we contacted our contact in Colombia and he said, well, you know, we could get an Airbnb, we could this, 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 it would cost this. And it was about $2,000 US. So we gave that number back to them through text before we paid the lunch bill. 
Another text came back to the pastor. You have it. Nine churches came on that retreat. And how many did I tell you are coming into the partnership? Nine. That couple, with no ask, because God spoke to them, made that possible. In each of these cases, these stories come from small churches. And I love that because it demonstrates it's, it's, it's not about how big a church is. It's not even about money. It's about the Lord awakening our hearts to know we're a part of something bigger than ourselves and even our city. So I want to share a couple stories with you. And that's all I'm doing. I mentioned Hosanna Church is having its 30th anniversary. Do you know what we hope to do? We hope to give them, this may sound like a lot at first, but I'll translate it for you. We'd like to give them 30,000 Ukrainian dollars for their building project for their 30th anniversary. That's $1,076. Just to set the exchange rate today. Today, it's $1,076. What does that do in their economy? I showed Alan a picture last night. They're very close to having all the concrete pillars finished and the concrete base floor poured. You don't get loans in places like Ukraine to build. You collect what money you have, you build a little bit more. You build a little bit more, you build a little bit more. That's how it happens there. And so they wait, and then when they have a little bit, they go to it. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could bless them that day with getting a little bit more built and accomplished and one day to think I am sleeping on the floor on this missions trip we'll put some padding down don't worry it won't be the concrete (laughs) I'm sleeping on the floor that we help finish wouldn't that be wonderful I mentioned that poor church in Badenkia, Colombia Badenkia is a very hot humid place all year there's really no letdown they have a rectangular church I could show you photos We went, it wasn't the church service, but we went to see it. And they had two very old-looking room air conditioners. So picture like a window unit in the wall. And four large circular fans attached to the opposite wall. This, This is how they're cooling it. They turned these on. We were in there for about a half hour. Honestly, I don't know that it made a bit of difference, except white noise. So I asked, I said, could we turn those fans on? So we turned all four fans on. The two air conditioners are running. And I asked him, could you, their sound system was all there. I said, could you just go up there and start talking? Because I was just trying to imagine, what's it like on a Sunday morning with these two air conditioners and these four fans and that noise? What's it like? I could barely hear a word he was saying. Now, granted, I'm 48. Maybe that's why. (laughs) But you get the point? I mean, just listen right now. But there, it's just, that's just to try to get the temperature bearable. 1,500 U.S. dollars would fix that. Wouldn't that be wonderful if we could fix that? And the stories go on. Casa de Esperanza needs a, a new kitchen floor, a new drainage system under it. And the government's requiring that they redo their counters and walls and a new refrigerator and a new stove. It's a lot, but it's, 
it's overdue. Their six burner stove currently has one that's functioning. But they make it work. About $2,500 is what that project's gonna cost. I'm not sharing those with you to say, so thanks for giving, Grace Community Church. No, I'm trying to make it scalable. That there's real needs that are there that we can all participate in. Individually, corporately, together. Do you know what I'm really praying for? This, this is my really bold ask. I'm praying God will move on the hearts of you, brothers and sisters, to become monthly partners with Grace Partnership. We started with 40 in January. Our goal is 500. We're at about 202 as of today. By the grace of God, that's a huge change in a few months' time. Some are giving $30 a month, a dollar a day. Some crazy people are giving $1,000 a month. That's not sustainable. We want a battalion of small givers who just have vision for what God's doing because we don't want our mission, we don't want these opportunities to pass us by. More so, we don't merely want to pray and give. We want to go. We want you to go. In the future, you're going to hear, in the very near future, of opportunities. You've got skills. You've got gifts. But you know what you need most of all? Just a heart of love. That, that's it. The rest gets done. I've seen it every time on every missions trip. Where there's love, the rest gets done by the grace of God. And what does that do? What's the effect as I close it strengthens us. And that's what Paul said. I'm not only sending Tychicus to you to tell how we're doing, what we're doing. I send him to you for this very purpose, that he may encourage your hearts. That word in Greek has the idea of um, infusing strength. Infusing strength. So it, it wasn't just encouragement, pat on the back encouragement. It was an encouragement that would strengthen you. You know, maybe, maybe it's timely. Like, you know what? My right hand was just about to go down, but you encouraged me. I remember, I'm never doing this again, I don't think, but I remember running a marathon once and just being completely out of gas. Mile 17. And they put your name on it in big, bold print so people can see it. It was Disney. Uh, even though it was Disney, it really was a marathon. I mean, at first it was fun because it was Disney, but then it was like, this is still 26.2 miles. This is insane. But you start to hear your name. They, they see you struggling, and you just start to hear your name from total strangers. But you've got some kind of bizarre solidarity for a couple hours. <clears throat> but you know what that does? It strengthens you. It strengthens you to keep putting one foot in front of the other and to keep on going. Alexander Strock said, although each local church originally was a separate and complete entity, as are you, that was dependent on no higher quarter person, as you are not, there were, though, varied and important links between those churches. I pray that's what you feel today. Varied and important links, just like you do with your friends in Thailand. You know what's interesting about this passage is right before it is spiritual warfare and putting on the whole armor of God. And I think about that. Think about how timely this all is and what it would have meant to the church in Ephesus that brothers were coming to strengthen them as they're in the midst of spiritual warfare. How many times has a timely word from someone helped you, encouraged you, spurred you on? 
in your time of warfare. And the aim of it all, as he says at the conclusion, is peace and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what partnership's about. That's what our partnership aims to be about. There's things to do, yes, but it's people. And caring for them and giving them an awareness. Hey, where you are in Ukraine, in Minnesota, and everywhere in between, and as far south as Bolivian Colombia, you're not alone. We're in this together. We're in this together. So, thank you. Thank you for the way you're partnering together locally. I pray in some way today you're encouraged, you're inspired to think about what does that look like globally, specifically, what does that look like in our partnership? I hope, before you go today, I hope you'll take one. They're in the back. Alan will tell you about that. I'm probably being a little more bold here than maybe Alan would want me to be, but he just won't invite me back if it's too bold. You know what I pray before I get on the plane tomorrow? I pray there's a couple, a handful of new monthly partners with Grace Partnership who've come online from Grace Community Church Corning. God bless you and thank you. It's a joy to be with you today and it's gonna be a joy to eat pizza after because as small towns go, I'm a pizza snob. You truly have some of the best pizza that I know. So God bless you. All right, well, my heart is so full, I could literally preach like a whole another message based on that because, isn't that exciting? I love partnership. I love relationship. The gospel is about relationship. It's not a formality. It's a family. Jesus didn't come to set up an institution. He came up to bring us in as children of God, beloved by the Father. That's relationship. And then we get to do it together. And I love, Aaron's all about relationship. You heard in there, he's flying here, he's flying there, he's connecting with people. So, no, Aaron, that's, that's not too bold. I, I, I join your prayers. I want to say two things as we close. First of all, thank you. Because of the faithfulness and the faithful giving here, we are able to support Grace Partnership on a monthly basis. And as different needs have come to our knowledge, We've been able to give special gifts to Casa de Esperanza, I believe also to Bolivia, to a couple of different needs as they've come up. But I'd like to do a better job of, of exposing this more to us collectively so that we together um, are able to partner more effectively. So thank you for your faithful giving. I want to ask you also to pray. And that's all we ever ask. We support different missionaries. But I will say this, of all the missionaries that we love and support, and every one of them we have relationship with, but the broadest reach for every dollar we give is through Grace Partnership. Because they are literally touching lives, churches, and people all around the world. And that's only been in a few years. Grace Partnership's not this massive organization. It's quite small. And it's, it's growing, but it's quite small. Aaron just took a step of faith to leave Metro full-time and, and become full-time with Grace Partnership. So let's pray for them. Here's what I want to ask, just that we would pray for them. Pray for these people. Um, pray for Grace Partnership. Pray for Aaron and his family as they step into a whole new chapter.
I'd love for us to pray about specifically where we might make practical partnership. I mean, we're in the whole thing, but Aaron just shared several needs. And is there one or two places that we might build with a little more intentionally that we might say we want to fund those air conditioners in Colombia or we want to help with those pillars in Ukraine? We want to we want to kind of own a sense of helping out. And I'd love for us and of all the missions we have, this is the best window for us to take short term missions trips. So you're going to hear more about that. Because there is something about going someplace, seeing what God is doing, seeing the needs, seeing the, the fruit that changes you. And, and, and your heart is suddenly invested. So church, we are a church. We're not just about corning or painted post. We're about the gospel to the world. We're about our brothers and sisters all around the world. Amen? So this is a wonderful opportunity for us to, to invest in so many different ways. So as you leave, I do want to encourage you, you know, if the Lord puts it on your heart, and there's never any pressure, but if God is speaking to your heart, please grab one of these and just pray. Lord, what would you have me do? And that's it. Just be obedient to what God has you to do. One other thought, and then I'm done. Uh, consider going to the conference next year. All right. That's another way where I mean, I sat at lunch across from the, the brother Jaime from the DR. And uh, we have folks in our church who are in the DR living in the DR. We have connection there, uh, you know, to greet the brother Volodymyr from Ukraine and his wife and meet her for the first time and building friendships with people. Consider coming to the conference next year. Not only is it an outstanding time, not only will you be built up in faith, but it's in February, it's in Florida. I need to say no more. I'm done. All right, God bless you guys. Have a wonderful day. Have a blessed day. Love you guys.